Thank you, Brother Abel. Brother Titus, that was wonderful. Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. I'm going to give you a little preview here. We're going to be in Luke 5 all day today, uh, this morning and tonight. This is a a two-part message and I'm going to see how things go. I, I, I would like to get through three points this morning. It may happen. It may not happen. And uh, I only have one point for you tonight. So you can, you'll get out in time for ice cream tonight. Amen. And, uh, but uh, no, seriously, I, I've only got four points I want, I want to give you today. But I want to give you three this morning if we make it. And if we don't, God knows. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you however God leads us to do that today. And I want to talk to you about this subject, the priority of the Savior, the priority of the Savior. I'm going to be honest, ever since God gave me this word, I have not been able to get away from it, and it has has, uh, impacted me. Uh, I know that my preacher taught me that whatever the speaker is going to speak on, if he hasn't already got his attention, how's he going to get the attention of his crowd or the audience? And so I just want to tell you something. This has got my attention, and I'm hoping it's going to get your attention today. And so when you find your place in Luke 5, let's all stand, and we're going to read a story, an amazing story um, in our Bibles today. Luke 5, we're going to start in verse number 16, Luke 5, verse 16, and um, we're going to read down through verse number 26, all right? How many of you glad you have your Bibles today, amen? Luke 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to uh, lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now that word couch is not like your couch, okay? This, that, that's not a Greek word for lazy boy, okay? That's not what that means. This was basically a blanket. It was a cot, um, that this man, that they carried this man around on. And so they, they've let him down. Well, sort of like the picture here, but uh, really that's even more in that picture. They really got more in that picture probably than what it was. Um, and so they've let him down uh, by way of his couch here. Um, verse, number, verse number 20. And when he, Jesus, and when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, the reason I sort of slowed down right there is because really verse number 20 is our text for the whole day. Verse number 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? 
whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I love verse 26. And they were all amazed. Boy, I guess so. In fact, by the time we get done with this message, I hope that you'll understand that verse a whole lot better. There's a reason they were all amazed. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. I want to talk to you about that subject, the priority of the Savior, the priority of the Savior. You may be seated this morning and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and jump into this and I hope that it'll be a, hope it'll be a help to you and a blessing to you. Father, thank you for a wonderful service. Thank you for uh, the presence of the Lord is here today. There's no doubt about that. Lord, we felt your presence in Sunday school. And God, we've sensed the presence of the Lord throughout the service here today. And uh, Lord, truly, and Miss Mandy had no idea, but that song goes right along with the message that I'm going to sing today. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, this man couldn't walk at all. Lord, he couldn't walk at all. And Father, we can't walk except we have the help and the blessing of our Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you'll bless our topic today all day long, this morning and tonight. And I pray that the Lord Jesus would be glorified and, and pleased. And Father, I pray that we'll worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. And Father, the best that we know how... We plead the blood of Jesus over the service, over this congregation, over this preacher. And Father, we pray that you might bind the powers of darkness and keep them away from this place and this people and this pastor. And Father, we pray that you'd keep your blessings within today. So Lord, help us and help the word of God to literally come alive in our hearts and our minds. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And so I want to encourage you to go back in your study and read the whole chapter of Luke chapter 5. I mentioned this in the nurse workers uh, banquet last night because I, I brought out a little something from Luke chapter 5 last night in the nurse workers banquet. When I'm getting ready to preach from a passage, I'll often read that whole chapter. Even though I'm not going to preach from the whole chapter, I'll just, I like to read the whole chapter. And, and just, I want to understand what's going on before the story, and I want to understand sort of what's going on after the story. And in Luke chapter 5, we read of several amazing miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, each of those miracles are unique and each of the ways that the Lord Jesus responded or, or the way he handled those miracles was also uh, very, very unique. Among those miracles, we read of a man who's suffering with a, a disease, a dreaded disease, by the way, still to this day, but uh, suffering with a disease known as palsy. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail in just a minute. Uh, and so the Lord Jesus finds this man and, and he heals this man from this disease of palsy. By the way, it's also worth mentioning, I believe, that this story of the Lord Jesus healing the man with palsy is not only mentioned in Luke chapter 5, but it's mentioned in two other places throughout Scripture. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 9, and it's all also mentioned in Mark chapter 2. Now, when Daddy says something once, that's enough. 
But when daddy says something two or three times, that means you better listen. And when our heavenly father sees fit to mention something once, well, that's enough. We ought to sit up and take notice. But when our heavenly father mentions the same story three different times throughout the gospels, we know something. We know that the Lord is trying to teach us a great lesson here. And I really believe that that's what's going on here. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. God willing, we're going to try our best to unpack this uh, story for you today. Uh, But I'm going to be honest. We won't get to our main point until tonight. And so I'm going to give you sort of the introduction part, and then tonight you'll have to come back uh, for the main point of, uh, of the message. So we're going to do, just for a little bit today, we're going to do what I would call an expository study uh, of Luke chapter 5, and especially this story that we're honing in on here about the man with palsy. So several things that I would like you to mention today, and we'll see if we can get through these points this morning. Number one, we notice the public frenzy. Now, I want you to look in your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, and I want you to find verse number 15. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 15. The Bible says there, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, the Lord Jesus, uh, and great, notice this, and great multitudes, great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now, again, we see that common thread throughout this miracle. Uh, and, and, and when the Lord showed that to me, I thought, okay, I'm going to study that out a little bit. And I'm glad I did. Uh, and so we notice the word multitude in verse number 15. We know that our New Testament is translated from Greek, Koine Greek, and, uh, and it's the Greek word oklos, and it means this. It means a throng. In other words, when the Bible says that a great multitude, you could say it like this, a great throng came out to see the Lord. It's a word also, though, that means this, and I thought this was very interesting. It, it's a word that means populous, populous. And what the Bible is saying here is this, that a great amount of the population has come to this Galilean area, Capernaum. They've come to this, this, this area, a great amount of the populace has come to this area to see the Lord. Now, I know that there were quite a few towns around that area. Boy, thank the Lord. My wife and I had the opportunity to visit Capernaum. It's one of my favorite, favorite stops uh, on the uh, trip that we, uh, that we took. Capernaum is not that big of a place. It's right on the uh, edge of the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful, beautiful little place. There's nothing there anymore uh, other than just ruins and, and uh, uh, the temple and things like that. Uh, but that's where Jesus was. And the Bible says that the, the populace had come to Capernaum. You think about all those towns that are surrounding Capernaum, towns like Bethsaida and Magdala and towns like Tiberias and Nazareth and Cana and Hazor and Bethsheon. Uh, and there were, there were towns all around this area. And so people were coming, coming from these towns to see the Lord and to hear the Lord and, to, and of course, to get their uh, maladies healed. Also, I did not know this before we took our trip to the Holy Land. But that Galilean area was also known for its hot springs. There are hot springs there and, and, uh, and, and, and people were under the impression that if you could come to Galilee and if you could get in one of those hot springs, then it, was, uh, it would serve as a, a medicinal, that it would, it would heal your affliction. And so because of that, people were often coming to this area. But now there's an extra draw. Now, not only are those hot springs there, but there's a man that has come and he's a teacher, a rabbi. And, uh, and this rabbi's doing things like nobody's ever done. And he's teaching things like nobody's ever 
never talked and, and they're hearing rumors about people getting healed and, uh, and lives being changed. And so uh, many, many of the population are coming to this Galilean area. Not only that, but I want you to notice verse number 17. Look at verse 17, if you will. The Bible says, not only was the populace coming, but notice verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, notice this next line, which were come out of every town of Galilee. Not only that, but the Bible says, and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, from Jerusalem to Galilee, uh, if you were walking, which most people did, uh, if you were walking, it's gonna take you about five days, five to seven days to travel all the way from Jerusalem to the epicenter of Galilee. And so here were these Pharisees that were hearing and doctors of the law, scribes, they were hearing about what was going on and some of the things that this rabbi was teaching. And so uh, they're traveling from great distances. And so again, I'm just trying to make a point. And the point I'm making is this, not only were the people coming from Tiberias and people were coming from Meshian and people were coming from Hazor, but people were coming from as far away as Jerusalem and, uh, and, uh, and, and folks were literally, literally flooding this area. In fact, in fact, our Bible goes on to say that there were so many people that when these men brought this crippled man to the Lord, that there was no way for them to get this man to Jesus. Look in your Bibles at Luke chapter five, verse number 19, verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, notice the, these words, because of the multitude, because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. You don't have to turn now, just read it for you. But in Mark's gospel, telling the same story, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter two, verse one, the Bible says it like this, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he, Jesus, that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, this is what I'm saying, Calvary. People are literally everywhere. They're everywhere. They're coming from the north, south, east, and west. They're hearing stories about this rabbi. They're hearing stories about this great teacher that's, that's teaching things that nobody's ever taught, that's doing things that nobody's ever done. And so people are coming, literally, they're coming from everywhere. People are being taught and people are listening and people are being healed and the religious leaders are coming to investigate what's going on and, and folks are just curious. And, and when I read all of that, you know what I'm thinking? You know what's going on here? Ministry. <laughs> Ministry's happening. People are coming. By the way, it's the same reason people come to Calvary. Some people come here to get saved. Others come here who have been saved, but they, they need some spiritual energizing. There are others who come because they're curious. And they drive by here, like one man told me, he said, I drive by the property. He said, man, that parking lot was packed. And I thought, what's going on in there? What, what are they doing in there? 
He said, preacher, I would come down the road, Indian Hill Road, and he said, I would slow way down, and I would just pull by the church real easy, and I would look, and I would wonder, man, what's going on in there? Listen, that's why some people are here, and that's why some people watch our our live stream, and so understand that what's going on in this story in Luke chapter 5 is that ministry is happening, and the movement is growing. Jesus' ministry is exploding in growth. Now, there's a reason I, I told you that, because not only do we find that his ministry is exploding, Exploding and the populace is coming. But here, Calvary, and don't miss this, whatever you do. But I want you to notice the Lord's reaction. With all these people coming and all these doctors and lawyers and, and Pharisees, all these folks are coming. Notice the Lord's response. Look in your Bibles in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5, and look at verse number 15. Good night. This is so important. Verse 15, but so much the more. Went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and, and prayed. You know what the Lord's response to all of this growth was? I gotta pray. I mean, the ministry is literally, I don't even think we could fathom what's going on. People are coming from, from every little holler and valley and town and city. Some are not so important as the world would see it. Others are men of leadership and prestige. And all these people are coming and they're coming for one reason and they're coming for one person. They're coming for Jesus. They want to either hear him or they want him to touch them or they want him to heal them. And we notice the Lord's response is this. His response is to pray. Hey, Calvary, did you know as God blesses the Calvary Baptist Church, our reaction must be the same? I believe God's showing us a great lesson here. As this church grows and grows and new folks are coming in and souls are being saved and boy, thank God for the revival that God brought in March and over a hundred people came to know the Lord and we see these things happening and new members coming in and new members class filling up and, and all these things that are going. Listen, let me tell you what our response cannot be. Our response cannot be pride. Or, or we're done. Someone says, where do you go to church? I go to Calvary. Yeah. Yep. Calvary's where I go. Have you heard? Have you heard how great our church is? Have you heard how we're growing? Have you heard how God's really doing a great thing? You know, church, that's what I'm saying. I think what we better do is say, have you heard how good he is? (laughs) And our response is this. We gotta pray. We gotta pray. Did you know our response? Our response cannot be, I'll tell you what else cannot be. It cannot be complacency. So the church is growing, growing, and man, here we are. We've we've moved from a brand new building, you know, from an old building to a brand new building, and man, we've opened up a lot of space, and now, boy, that space is starting to fill up, and and people say, Yeah, preacher, we're there. I mean, we we made it. We can just sit back and be fat and sassy and man, we don't have to invite anybody anymore and I mean, we don't have to visit anymore and we don't have to, you know, uh, uh, do any kind of outreach anymore. I mean, we're where we want to be and I want to tell you, tell you something, we are not where we want to be. 
until the last soul comes to Christ. We are not where we need to be. And somebody says, but pastor, if, 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 if God keeps doing what God is doing, I mean, it's not going to be long. This building's going to be filled up. And, and, and what are we going to do? And I want to tell you something, folks. God is not dead. And thank God for this beautiful, beautiful campus and facility that God has given us. But I'm telling you, uh, if you think for a half of a second that this is all that God can do, you're mistaken. And so we can't, we can't get complacent. We can't get prideful when, when God is blessing. By the way, by the way, that's why America's in such a mess. Absolutely. You know why? We're trying to do life apart from God. And I'll tell you something else. It's why our churches are in such a mess. It's why churches are dead at four o'clock in the morning. The choir's not even dead. The choir's not dead. You know why the choir's not dead? They don't have enough people in the church to have a choir. It's just dead. Uh, it's either dead or powerless. Now, they may have a crowd, but there's no power. There's no anointing. People aren't getting saved. God's not doing great things. You know why? Because somewhere along the line, especially in the South, especially in the Bible Belt, we got to the place where we think, you know what? We know how to do church and do church well. In fact, we do church so good, Lord, if we need you, we'll call you. Calvary, I want to tell you something. We need him. In fact, we not only need him, we got to have him. We got to have him. I'm telling you, I don't know how you feel, but I, you're looking at one preacher that knows something that leaves. I cannot do what I do without him. I've got to have him. I've got to have the blessing of God. I've got to have the anointing of God. I've got to have the breath of God. When I walk in this place, I want to feel God's breath. I want to feel God's presence. It's not enough to have a song. It's not enough to play an instrument. It's not enough to have a choir. It's not enough to have a program. I'm telling you, we need God at Calvary Baptist Church. This, little, this week, little Barrett came over to our house and we had a good time with him. And my wife and I, we took him out on the golf cart and we found some trails and we were riding some trails. And then he said, Papa, I want to drive. I said, okay. I reached over and got him and put him on my lap. I knew what was coming, Brother Rick. We drove for a little while. And then those famous words came out of that little mouth. Papa, I want to do it by myself. I want to do it by myself. By the way, we were out in the big giant hayfield. And I did let him do it by himself for a little while, man. <laughs> we were both motion sick. I mean, you know. We we're all over the place. We got back on the road, and he said, Papa, I want to do it by myself. I said, well, son, we're on the road now, and we have to be, I can do it. I can do it. I said, all right, you got it, man. Here we went. I mean, we were running off the road. You know why America's run off the road? Because somewhere along the line, we got to the place where we said, God, we got this. We're the most, we are the most educated generation that's ever lived. We got more, we got more degrees and certificates and, 
and diplomas. We are the most educated. We are the most intellectual. Uh, I'm telling you, we are the richest. We are the richest, probably one of the richest generations that you've ever lived in. And yet we are lost. We are lost and we are desperately in trouble. You say, what's going on, preacher? I'll tell you what's going on. Somewhere, somewhere somewhere along the line, we got to the place where we felt like we did not need God. And I want to tell you something, Calvary. When God begins to bless, let me tell you what our response Ought to be. It ought to be like Jesus. We ought to find us a, a, a pine thicket or a, uh, we ought to find us a trail in the woods and we ought to get somewhere and say, oh God, I gotta have you. 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 I gotta have you in my marriage. I gotta have you in my family. I gotta have you in my home. I gotta have you in my Sunday school class. I gotta have you. Oh God, I need you. I need you. I need you. Man, oh man, oh man. I gave this on, uh, on Countdown the other day. Some of you have heard this. I thought it was interesting. During the height of the Roman Empire, when a Roman general would secure a great victory, Rome would give him what was called a triumph. We call it a parade in our, in our language, but they would give him a triumph. And uh, during that time, people would line the streets of Rome and, and that that. Roman general would either ride his stallion or he would ride a chariot through the concourse of Rome and people lined the streets and they would <laughs> applaud and they would cheer and they would laud praise to this general. Interesting part to that story is this, that the Roman custom required that during a triumph, a slave always accompany the general. And this slave on the chariot had one assignment. And this was his assignment. Every once in a while, as those people were cheering, hooray, hooray. Every once in a while, that slave was to lean up and whisper in the general's ear, remember, you are but a man. Remember, you will die. And I read that story and I was like, whoa. Hey, Calvary, you know what? Every once in a while, you know what we better, we better do? We better remember. We better remember where we came from. We better remember God can take it away. We better remember talent's not enough. Education's not enough. Smarts is not enough. We need God. Can I go a little further? Not only do we notice that public frenzy, but I want, you to, I want you to hear me on this. Number two, we notice the pitiful condition. Now, look in your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, and look at verse number 18. Luke 5, verse 18, and this is just interesting. The Bible says, and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. Palsy. It's the Greek word paraleo, and it means this. It means to loosen or relax. It means uh, it, it, it literally carries the idea of someone that is, that is enfeebled. Now, we can agree to disagree on this one, but I really believe, I, I really believe this. I believe that what this man had in Luke chapter 5 was something very similar to cerebral palsy. And I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But we know this at any rate, he was in serious shape. It took four friends to bring him to the Lord. He was lying on a couch or a blanket, 
a cot, if you will. And I looked, again, I looked up that word palsy, and interestingly enough, the word palsy means unstrung. Unstrung. That's why, that's why I believe this was probably some cerebral palsy. Have you ever seen a guitar string that becomes unstrung? Playing all of a sudden, bing. You ever seen that? that? That guitar string becomes unstrung, and when it does, it becomes bowed and bent. And I, I, I personally believe that there's little doubt that this man was absolutely, totally invalid. I'm not even sure he could raise his head up. I'm not, I'm not sure he could, could control his head if he could have raised it up. I just, in my mind, I believe probably that he had no control over his, his members, and yet the Bible says the Lord healed him. Now, that tells us a couple of important things. Number one, it tells us this, that this miracle was absolutely undeniable. That's why they couldn't, they couldn't deny it. <laughs> uh, you know what? Those, those uh, limbs that were unstrung all of a sudden laid straight. Can y'all see that? You know, when you read your Bibles, could you use your imaginations a little bit? I can see him bring this guy on his couch. They can't get him to the Lord, so they lower him in through the roof, and I can just see him. He's just, he's just, he's unhealthy. He's emaciated. He has no control over his limbs. He can't walk. He can't hold anything. He can't drink for himself. Someone has to feed him. Someone has to give him water. And his, his limbs are all curled. Maybe he's in a fetal position. I'm not sure. But it's evident. And evidently, he's been that way for a long time. And they bring him to the Lord. And the Lord heals him. And all of a sudden, those limbs. <laughs> they not only straighten, but they strengthen. And the Bible says that he gets up immediately. He gets up. And so... We, we understand that this miracle is absolutely undeniable, but I'll tell you something else, and this is beautiful, church. It tells us something else, that Jesus took time for the invalid. Those, who, those whose cases seemed hopeless. This man's case seemed hopeless. People saw him. People saw him. Those limbs all, all bent up, couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't take care of himself. And his case just seemed hopeless. And yet Jesus took the time to minister to this invalid, the castaway of society. Somebody says, preacher, is it really that important that we minister in the nursing homes? Well, I think the answer to that is Jesus would. Somebody says, pastor, is it really that important that we go into the jails and minister to those folks that are hopeless. <laughs> They're hopeless. They've got messed up cases. They've got messed up lives. They've got messed up homes. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, preacher, I appreciate, you know, your passion and everything, but is it really that important that we, that we go help people like that? And I'm just telling you, church, please understand something, that if Jesus were here today pastoring this church in a bodily form, I can promise you something. He would be going to the nursing homes. He would be going to the jails and the prisons. He would be going and caring for those that nobody else cares for. And so we notice 
the public frenzy. We noticed the pitiful condition. We're done. And we got through all three. How about this, number three? We noticed the passionate friends. Now look at Luke 5 in your Bibles. Look at verse number 18. Verse 18, and behold, men. Now we don't know who they were. We're not sure what their names were. The Bible doesn't mention that. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and and to lay him before him. Verse 19, and when they, the men, could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they, the men, went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And so this man's lowered down through the roof by some friends. Now, we don't know who these men are. We don't know where they came from. But we do know what's important. They were determined to get their friend to Jesus. <laughs> Preacher, what were their names? Was it a Paul? Was it a Silas? Was it a James? Was it a Philip? I don't know what their names were. But the important thing the scripture tells us, whatever their names were, these passionate friends were determined to get their friend to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if it meant tearing up the roof. Now, how many know this? It's time we quit changing the Bible. And so I read one scholar. (laughs) I read a lot, but I read one scholar, and he said, this is what it is. You see, there was a door that went up to the roof. And what, what this story is, is when these men lowered this friend to Jesus, they just opened the door. And they let him down. Hmm. That's interesting. Here's only one problem with that. That's not what your Bible says. In fact, uh, Mark chapter 2 says it like this in verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And so I submit to you this, that there wasn't a door to the roof before, but there was after. There wasn't a hole before, but thank God these men made a hole. Now, I said all of that, I said all that, say this, thank God for some people who were serious about getting their friend to the only one who could help them. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? How serious are you about getting your friends to Jesus? I really wonder if we're serious. Are you serious enough to extend an invitation? Well, preacher, if I, if I ask them to come, they'll just say no. Well, all they can say is no. Are you serious enough to make sure that you live a good Christian testimony in front of them? One of the things after the class, Brother Lyndon came up to me and he said, Preacher, God showed me something during the lesson. He said, before Paul and Silas even had a chance to even really preach Jesus to that jailer, he saw their testimony, their witness. It's true. Are you serious enough about getting your friends to Jesus that you're willing to, to get rid of the sin? To live a life that's dedicated to Jesus Christ? Listen, are you serious enough about getting your friends to Jesus? You're willing to put a a gospel track in your purse or your pocket and every once in a while just take out a gospel track and say, hey, can I give you something? It doesn't take much. Can I give you something? 
You say, Pastor, they might throw it down. They might. But somebody else might pick it up. How serious are we about getting our, our friends to the Lord Jesus Christ? Luke 14 and verse 23 says it like this. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I'm telling you, we live in the, 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 a, a mamby, pamby, weak, sissified nation and uh, we don't want to do anything or say anything that's going to upset the apple cart and we're so afraid about offending. Hey, hang that, my dear friend. It is time that God's people started compelling others to come to Jesus. And that word compel there means to necessitate, to drive to, constrain by force. It means to plea, please come, please come. I know I've asked you before, but please come. You need what I'm getting. You need Jesus. Please come. Friend, I'm just telling you that, that Jack Daniels is not going to do it. Please come. I'm, I'm just, I'm lovingly telling you this, that meth it's not going to bring you where you want to be. Please come. Well, if I go over there, nobody will accept me. They will here. Well, I'm just a cast out. Well, just come join the rest of us cast outs. Please come. How serious are you about getting your friends to Jesus? I read a story this week. Love it. Says so a missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. Now listen to this, Calvary. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French, which was the language they spoke there. And when she got a copy of the Bible, she asked the missionary to do something. She asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page on it so she could find it. Don't forget, she was blind and she couldn't read. And so she said, I want you to underline John 3.16 in red and I want, to, I want you to mark the page so I can find it. The missionary was, he was confused. She's blind, she cannot read, she cannot write. Why would she want me to underline this verse that she cannot read and to locate it in a Bible that she cannot read? Listen to this. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so one day he followed her. In the afternoons, just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. When he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And tell him about Jesus. Amen. The missionary went on to say that 24 of the schoolboys that this lady led to Christ became pastors of churches. Man. Y'all reckon it's time to give an invitation? You know what the thought is today? 
Calvary, we got to do better. Preacher, we're doing pretty good. No. We need God. And we've got to do everything in our power to try to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house? Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. God, my heart has been challenged, re-challenged, challenged again by this truth from Luke chapter 5. And God, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you'll use it to challenge some other folks here at Calvary. Lord, as you bless, we have but one recourse. It's not pride and it's not complacency. Oh, no, 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 no. We've got to meet with God. We've got to make sure that you understand something, Father. We cannot do this without you, nor do we want to do it without you. And then, Father, I pray that you would give this church such a a burning desire to reach people with Jesus. I'm talking about those pitiful cases. I'm talking about those hopeless cases. I'm talking about the drug addict and the prostitute and the alcoholic. I'm talking about the person that lives beside us or behind us. Oh, God, give us a desire to reach this world with the gospel. And then, Lord, just like these passionate friends, may we be passionate, passionate about getting people to Jesus. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Question or two. First of all, how many here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. I know that I know that I know that I am born again and I know I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, without anybody looking, would you just sort of quietly slip your hand up as a testimony, as a testimony. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this, though. You can lower your hands. How many are here today who would be super honest right now and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure about heaven. I'm 30% sure. I'm 50% sure. But I'm not 100% sure that I would go. And I need you to pray for me. Preacher, would you just pray for me? If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up right now? Right now. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Come on. I see that hand. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Come on. Be honest. Slip it up right now. Slip it up right now. Can I pray for you? Come on. Can I pray for you? How many are here this morning? Pastor, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that but I'm really not necessarily where I need to be with Christ. I am saved. I can take you to the time and the place, but I'm really not where I need to be with the Lord. And without anybody looking, nobody's looking, you just slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Is there one like that? God bless you. 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 God bless you and you. Wonderful. Bless you. God bless you. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do then. In just a moment, we're going to stand. As soon as we stand, without any hesitation, 
I'm going to ask you immediately to leave your place and find your way to an old-fashioned altar. Our personal workers are coming right now. If they would come, we're going to have somebody up here with a Bible in their hand. And if they can help you, they'll be here to help you, all right? But I want you to come. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm lost, I want you to come. Pastor, I am saved, but I'm not where I need to be. All right, I want you to come. I want you to come. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you. You're working right now. You're working. Yes, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I pray you do what only you can do. Father, thank you for giving us such a great truth. Father, right now, I pray you'd save those that are lost and undone without Jesus. And God, those that need to come back to Christ, I pray today you'd help them to rededicate their lives to the Lord. Whatever the decision is, Father, maybe there's someone here today that has a friend that needs to be saved. Today they would come, they would get passionate, passionate, and they would get on this altar and pray for that friend. Whatever it is, have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And uh, listen, if that's you, if you raise your hand right now, Without a moment's hesitation, I want you to come. Some have already come. How about you? How about you? That's right. That's right. Folks are moving. Hey, come on. Come on. If God's dealing with your heart right now, don't you wait. Don't you wait. If you raise your hand and you said, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want you to come. Come on. Don't wait. Preacher, I am saved, but I'm not in the will of God. Come on, don't you leave this place without the joy of the Lord in your heart and your spirit, knowing that you got things right with God. While we wait, would you come? Folks are coming. Folks are getting some help. Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, thank you for what you're doing right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd work. Spirit of God, work. Father, I pray you draw people to yourself right now. Lord, give them faith. Give them faith. Lord, I know these aisles seem very long, but God, I pray right now you'd take that out of their mind, and I pray you'd give them faith and courage to respond to the gospel message. Father, give us some people at Calvary that'll get passionate about leading others to Jesus. Oh, God, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you. Our heads are bowed. We're going to sing in just a moment. But right before we sing, who else? Who else needs to make a move right now?